Sean Desai spoke to us again for the second time since becoming defensive coordinator for the fourth time this offseason. The Bears said that Andy Dalton was going to be the starter. Look, there's a lot that went down at Hallis Hall over the last week or since we've last seen you guys. I'm sorry for lying to all of you, by the way. I know last or this week was supposed to be a vacation for us, but I cut my own vacation short to be here. Welcome into the Fireside Bears podcast, guys. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at Fireside Bears. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Usaid Koshal. Check out AJ Desai and Sam Stevenson at AJ Desai 4 and at SJSteve9. We're brought to you by Empire Sports Media. But before I ask AJ and Sam how they're doing, look, Audacia Sports, our sponsor, they just launched a terrific Justin Fields sticker pack. Check them out on Twitter at Audacia Sports. We have a great partnership going with them. They're going to help promote this podcast. Seriously, guys, the new Justin Fields stickers that they got, they look great. Some proceeds are going to go to the Boys and Girls Club of Chicago. My rant is done, guys, but how are we doing today? I'm ready to talk some bears. That was I, I never know where you're going to go with these intros because you just go and then you introduce the show, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. It like always throws me off, but I'm ready to talk some bears. Yeah, man. Let's get it bear down and let's talk some bears here. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of stuff to talk about, so let's get it. There is a lot of stuff to talk about, and let's get right into it because everyone over the last week, and Sam, I'll start with you here, but everyone over the last week has been talking about, well, Justin Fields should be the starter. Justin Fields should be the starter. That stuff is warranted because anytime you have a young rookie quarterback that a franchise drafts, especially in round one, Everyone automatically assumes that that player is going to be the starter. But Sam, what do you think about Nagy doubling down on Andy Dalton being the starter? Because the exact quote was, Andy's going to get reps with the ones. Yeah, I mean, I think, number one, it could be a little bit coach speech. I mean, you can say one thing and mean something else. And again, you know, the Bears could just be getting ready to throw either of those guys out there, whoever is better. I mean, if I'm the Rams, I'm assuming that Dalton's going to start. Um, and, and again, I think as fun as it was to see Justin Fields in a Bears practice uniform this past weekend and see him throw the ball and see the great quotes that came out and, and just how confident he seems right now, it's minicamp. It's rookie minicamp. We're really not going to get a good gauge as to who should be the starter until mini, until training camp really begins. So when Nagy said that, it wasn't really that surprising. Dalton's the veteran here. You know, I still think that I'd rather see Fields out there. But um, all I really wanted to add to this was just, you know, you're going to start the veteran until you know the rookie's ready to go. Uh, AJ, what do you want to say to this? You're muted, AJ. My bad. Sorry. Um, I'm on the save uh, same uh, wavelength as you guys are. Like I, I'm actually expecting Andy Dalton to start Week One. Um, yeah, it'd be pretty cool for the Bears to just pull a really nice 180, like literally a week or a couple of days before Week One, and just announce Justin Fields as the starter. But like, we're actually looking at what went back, what what went down in 2017. Actually, I think Andy Dalton is going to play the first four or five games of the season, and then they're going to pass it thrown on on to Justin Fields. Um, which is, you know, like um, other beef out there, uh, Jalen Ramsey and all that stuff. I just really wanted Darnell Mooney to just catch a touchdown um, on Jalen Ramsey. I just don't know if that's going to be possible with Andy Dalton being the quarterback. So, uh, I mean, I just think like veteranship-wise and leadership-wise, the answer is Andy Dalton is pretty clear. So, for me, it's. I think Nagy had another quote actually, and go watch these press conferences on YouTube. Nagy talked about, well, Andy's going to get an opportunity. When Andy's here, he's going to get an opportunity to show what he can do in this offense. And that quote kind of stuck out to me because if fans had their way, Andy Dalton would not be the week one starter. But unfortunately, it's like you mentioned, AJ, you have to prepare for Justin. Fields not being the week one starter because ultimately the Bears would never have signed Andy Dalton had they known straight up just, well, we're going to have an opportunity to draft Fields. I mean, rookie drafting a rookie quarterback was always a 
plan A this offseason, but then plan B was kind of one of these fallback veteran guys in free agency. And I think what a lot of people also tend to forget is that Pace mentioned earlier in the offseason after they signed Dalton, he's like, look, we wanted to get better at the quarterback position, and we feel like with Andy Dalton, we did that. Now, the reason I bring that up is because everyone knew that the Bears were going to need a quarterback this offseason. Signing Dalton was kind of a bit of a smokescreen to mask the issue that the Bears were going to go ahead and potentially trade up for a rookie quarterback because ultimately you could not, the Bears knew this as well. They couldn't go into the offseason with Nick Foles on the roster and not have signed Andy Dalton because if you do that, you're giving the impression that there's definitely a trade up for a quarterback that's coming. And you tried the Nick Foles experiment last year. What happened with that? Well, it completely failed. Ultimately now what's happening is this is you're going with Dalton and Justin Fields, and I will actually take Andy Dalton over Nick Foles as a starter, by the way, just because with Dalton, they can run a bit of the Nick Foles offense that they ran last year, which was so pass first, or they could run the Mitch Trubisky offense, which was more so of a balanced offense. You could really go either way, but we've got our special guest now. Raul Bennington joins the show. What's going on, Raul? You can follow him on Twitter at Black underscore 42. Wagwan. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm chilling. About to make my pre-workout meal. What's up with y'all? We're discussing Nagy doubling down on Andy Dalton being the starter. Take us through your analysis when he said that comment. I didn't even hear it, but I think it's just coach speak. I just think he's capping. You got you have to. Right now, if you 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 can't come out and say it's Justin Fields' job because you haven't had any type of practice, right? But it's coach speak. You know, like you're you're gonna say it's Andy Dalton. But once once the the kid, you know, gets out there and lets that ball start cracking, it's gonna be a different story. I don't put too much so- stock into that. That's that's cap. Yeah, yeah, I think I really think it is cat, but also moving on from this Andy Dalton possibly being the starter and go ahead here, Sam. Dude, besides Justin Fields, and you can name Fields if you want to, obviously, but what were some of your highlights from minicamp over the weekend? Uh I, I loved the the Daz Newsome interview. I, I there was something about it just like I, I just liked his personality. I thought he was funny. Like I love rookies who kind of are get out of their comfort zone early. Um, having the reporters tell them like places he should go to eat the thing about the waffle house thing. Like, obviously I don't know how much of it, how much of a contribution Newsom's going to have this year. The wide receiver lo- room's pretty loaded, but I just thought that part was pretty funny. Again, uh, you know, I like, I like a rookie with a little personality with a little swagger. So the Newsom interview was cool. I, I was glad I was able to listen to it a little bit. I saw some of the highlights as well. Um, his tweet from this weekend where he was still upset about Waffle House, I quote tweeted it, um, saying, I think Newton is becoming one of my favorite rookies. So I think he is. I, I just like the guy's personality. Uh, that was really my one of my biggest highlights. I mean, for me, for Daz Newsome, I mean, I thought that was like probably one of the most entertaining interviews that a rookie's given. You know, it just shows that this person is really hungry, he's charismatic. Of, actually being in the NFL kind of reminds me of like when Johnny Knox came out of um, a- uh, Abilene Christ- um, Christian and he wasn't expected to be drafted at all by a team and the Bears picked him up in the fifth round and he was really really excited really uh, grasping the opportunity getting on the field in year one as a rookie for Johnny Knox I think this is the same situation for Daz Newsom to make an impression um, like it's probably going to be like I, I mean, with, with with what we have in the weapons and stuff, to be honest, man, like it, it wouldn't surprise me that like if most of our weapons are being used in the first quarter of the season. I mean, like now Nagy has got his weapons, and like he can really switch to Justin Fields wherever he wants to, whenever he wants to. So I mean, you know, you know, really, I'm just impressed by the rookie. Obviously, he. Um, he spoke really well. I mean, it was kind of it was kind of corny and kind of funny too. But you know, that's why I look for our players. So look for that player. So I mean, excited for him. See what happens. 
Daz was interesting. I thought the one thing that stuck out to me that no one's kind of talking about is what Khalil Herbert said. I mean, he basically was like, look, I don't ha really have a defined role right now. They're kind of going to put me everywhere to see where I fit. Herbert's interesting because his skill set at Virginia Tech was mainly just being, well, the one year he was at Virginia Tech, he was mainly a run first guy. He was the spark for the offense, according to some Virginia Tech beat reporters that I had the opportunity to talk to within the last week. But ultimately, you also look at the other half of it is that Khalil Herbert makes everything so much more expendable because what you're doing is you're number one, you don't have Cordero Patterson back there paying him $10 million a year returning kicks. You finally have a much cheaper option and Herbert averaged like 30 yards a return at Virginia tech. So ultimately Herbert, I think could be another one of those guys. I know everyone's focused on fields and Tevin Jenkins, as well as Daz Newsome. And I think those three can be instant impact rookies, but I think another player that's going to be an instant impact rookie is going to be Khalil Herbert, because if he solely just provides the bears value on special teams in terms of his ability to get the offense, good field position or set the defense up in such a way where, or the special team sets the defense up in such a way where the opposing offense is pinned inside its own 20 yard line. That's going to do wonders. And special teams is all about flipping the field. I really think Herbert's going to benefit the bears massively. Raul, what were some of your highlights from minicamp, man? Bro, I didn't hear no interviews because I don't like them things. I just watch highlights and I really don't, I mean, I guess uh, fields look good, and Herbert Herbert looks bigger than what I thought. Pause. But he's actually a bigger kid than I thought. So other than that, I ain't got nothing on that. But I I do think that Herbert can actually is actually going to push Damian Williams off of the off of the roster if the Bears go three running backs. Herbert, like I said on Twitter, well, actually, it was him and Puka Williams at Kansas. He cost me some bread, Herbert, back like two years ago, right? Because the kid, the kid had the kid in that zone scheme. The kid was dangerous. At Virginia, like you said, he was the entire offense, right? He was their weaponry for like the last two years. He's and I keep making a player comp because of the style of runner he is. It's it's almost identical to to Tiki Barber. And I know that's corny because it's the same school, but it's like identical to Tiki Barber, except for he doesn't hold the ball high, high and tight. But they're a one cut zone, zone run scheme type running back. And I think he can get some tick this year because, you know, the Bears need a running back that can spell David Montgomery. It's not Cohen. They play different spots. I think Khalil Her Herbert can get some tick this year and actually, you know, have some impact as a zone as a as a, as a zone outside zone and inside zone running back i think when you look at that running back room because raul you brought this up you know your bell cow guy is going to be david montgomery but then to recode you're going to kind of use him more so in the passing game not really as that traditional running back i mean you shouldn't be using him as a running back anyway because the reality is that You've tried to have Tariq Cohen do stuff like run between the tackles in the past. And Matt Nagy did that all throughout 2019, and it absolutely failed. So you bring in a guy like Khalil Herbert, who I believe is like six foot two, and I think like 200-something pounds. He could be the complement to David Montgomery. And then Artavius Pierce is another solid option. I think when you look at that Damon Williams signing, like Raul alluded to, you made some of these signings in free agency because you didn't know how the draft board was going to shake out. And I also think that if Herbert has the special team, not even the special teams, but if Herbert has the impact that we know he can really have, ultimately it's going to push Ryan Nall off the roster. And I don't want Ryan Nall on the roster anyway because the reality of the situation is that the guy has been RB3 or 4 for the last three or four seasons, but he really has not proven much at all. I mean, he's basically like the pre – Ryan Nall is basically the Tanner Gentry of running backs, all right? He has a good season or has a good preseason, and then after that just completely worthless in the regular season. Ryan Nall is nobody. He like he who's Ryan Nall? Like get get him off my squad. It's 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 over. Just stop it. He can't make my team. He can't make my ball club. If you're serious about being a real football team with talent, you don't hold on to people like Ryan Nall. He has no bearing on wins and losses. 
get the guy off the field. Yo, yeah. Like, I remember that time we handed the ball off to him three times in a row. Oh, sorry. My language there. Um, what the hell was that? Still, my language. But, dude, this guy ran into our offensive lineman three times in a row. And if that doesn't show you that he doesn't belong on an NFL ro- uh, doesn't belong on an NFL roster, then, I mean, holy shit. It's just, you know, this person, like, I swear if this man makes it over – like Damian Williams or something like that. Like, can we have like three decent running backs? Like, I'm like Raul. I agree with you. I think we're just gonna push um Williams out, and then you have Tariq Cohen at two, and then you have Darren Montgomery at one. So, I mean, dude, like if I see Ryan all anywhere on this team, it even includes the practice squad, dude. I just, I, I, I just will lose my shit. I just, I just cannot have this person on the team, like. You know, there's there is another person out there that played ball really good, and Sam Sam remembered uh, remembered us of him. Who was it, Sam? Kareth White, Kareth White, that went Kareth over White. to yeah, he went over to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then in in place of James Conner being injured, he split reps with Benny Snell and himself. So I mean, hey, let's let's not do that again because you know we could have kept him, and he we we probably wouldn't have drafted um, Khalil Herbert. So I mean, hey. Just keep the running backs with the running backs. Don't keep any projects like Ryan Nall, stiff ass. Like, I don't even know why he was on the team to begin with for the last two years, torturing us with this BS and all that. But, like, yeah, I'm done. I'm done with my rant for Ryan Nall. Just he doesn't he doesn't deserve to be on an NFL roster. That's it. Ryan Nall is the affirmative action hire of the NFL. Yeah, exactly. I mean – so I, there was one rookie I actually wanted to bring up. I want to step away from the running back, so I'm going to go to the defensive side of the ball. Um, one quote that I, I remember reading about was Thomas Graham was talking about a little bit about where the Bears are expecting him to play. And he mentioned that he's pretty much going to be prepared to play both positions. He said that at the Senior Bowl as well. And, and we're going to get to the cornerback spot, I think, a little bit later in the podcast. But that was something I also liked. I, I like Graham's confidence too. I mean, he's in a position where the nickel spot and the quarterback two spot are both pretty open. I mean – Besides Jalen Johnson, I think there's a lot of opportunity for him to play nickel or outside. Um, he was a great, he was great at both spots in Oregon. I don't know what the Bears are going to do with him, but the fact that he's preparing to play both spots uh, gives me a lot of hope for him as well. Um, one last thing I wanted to bring up about minicamp was a Fields quote, and and it's it's just it just affirms the fact that I want Justin Fields to start Week One, and I know it's probably going to be Andy Dalton, but. Justin Fields said it, uh, I think it might have been the first day of minicamp at one point. He says, if you ain't striving for the starting job, you shouldn't be here. And then he went out and, like, fixed a wide receiver's route, like, the first day. I mean, how do you not cheer for that guy to be your starting quarterback? Like, what – you think Mitch Trubisky did that on his first day? Went out and fixed a dude's route, told him that he was competing for the starting job? No. Like, Fields' confidence is the one of the biggest reasons why – I'm rooting for him to start, and I hope he beats Dalton out in training camp. Because quotes like that, like, that's my quarterback. That's my quarterback. When he says stuff like that, that's the guy I want to root for. And there's nothing against Dalton, but that's the guy I want to root for. When you say stuff like that in your first press conference after your first practice as an NFL player, that instills a lot of hope in me. I need to take a sip of water after that. Yeah, I my mean, question is: Why is everybody thinking that Andy Dalton is going to be the starter week one? If you, if you're a veteran on this team, right, and you've you've heard everything, you've seen just like Eddie Jackson talked about us have finally having a QB, and you know your your time in the NFL is limited. Do you want uh, Andy Dalton out there, or do you want the kid out there that can give you a shot? The kid. Right, kid. Exactly. So I, I, I think once training camp happens, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a wrap. I don't think Dalton is gonna get a shot. Also, I think Thomas Graham. I loved him at the Senior Bowl. I think he's a hundred percent nickel corner. Don't put put him on the outside. He struggles with 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 deep deep passes on the outside, but he's competitive as hell. He comes up. He'll he'll press you. He'll he'll step up on anybody. Keep him at at, at cornerback three, and I think he has a chance to start right away. 
I mean, I think looking at, and I'm sorry if my internet just went down there for a second. I need to remember to switch over to my hotspot, but before I start live streaming, but when you look at Justin Fields, you realize, and Matt Nagy had something interesting to say. He's like, look, Justin, basically the offense that he played in Ohio State, it's pro-ready. It was an NFL-styled offense. It was also an offense that when you look at, had a lot of similarities and similar concepts to what Matt Nagy's trying to do with the Bears. Because if you look at that Ohio State offense over the last two years with Ryan Day, really what it was was the fact that the big play was always the first progression on any given play, which was usually the shot downfield to Chris Olave. And then when you look at it, the offense was designed in such a way where, okay, if you're first read, which was the big play to Olave, if that wasn't open, then you went to the second guy. And the second read was always someone that was running a mid to like intermediate route. And then if you didn't have the mid to intermediate route, what you really had was kind of the short route. And if the short route didn't work and you had like a fourth wide receiver out there, usually like a running back or just a fourth guy running routes, then it would be checked down. And so Raul, I'll start with you on this one. How does Justin Fields fit into this Bears offense? Because he's pretty much played in an offense that's the exact same copy to what Matt Nagy's trying to build. He fits into this offense like I fit into Beyonce's bed. Ideally, God made it. God ordained that damn thing. The the one thing I'll say is this: Matt Nagy originally, um, if you and I, and I always go back to the Miami game, two thousand and nineteen, right? Every one of the concepts was high to low, right? And he was letting Mitch fire off high to low, high to, to low. That's Justin Fields in a nutshell, right? On top of that, you finally have somebody that understands the concept of RPO, right? So, like, off bat, like, this, this, this is what I mean by this is why I think Dalton doesn't stand, stand a chance because this kid was made for this offense, right? This type of offense is what he was made for. He's ran a lot of the same pro concepts at Ohio State. And then the play action, which Ohio State utilized a lot. I mean, I, I, I'm re I really think he comes in here and he lights things up. My, my, my whole fit about – of Justin Fields is that like, you know, I still keep on going back to the comment Raul that when Ryan, when Ryan day and Kevin Wilson said that like this kid is nothing compared to the last four quarterbacks that played at, at Ohio state. So I'm just, I just keep going back to that because like, like crap, if like, if he doesn't start day one, that's fine. I mean, like by week two or week three, he's going to come in and the league's going to know what he's really about because, you know, I have never seen like, you know, like I've watched Ohio state really close this year and it's exactly what Nagy wants to do he wants to be able to run his play action play calls he wants to be able to run an RPO offense and you can do that with Justin Fields you just you just couldn't you could just couldn't have done that with a poor offensive line a below average quarterbacks in Nick Nick Foles and uh Mitch Trubisky so you could do that with um with Justin Fields, what it is, maybe you could do it with Andy Dalton, but like you know, Nagy's going to get tired of it, and then in comes Justin Fields, like I said earlier, because you know you have to be able to run the RPO efficiently in his offense, and I don't think Andy Dalton can do that. So I just think um, Justin Fields, like week two or three, Nagy's just going to get tired of it, and he's just going to throw in his rookie in because that's a weapon. Justin Fields is a cheat code, so he's going to use it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's really nothing else I can really add here that you guys haven't said. I, I think at the end of the day, I think Nagy's just going to have a lot more confidence in Fields than he did in the second year Mitch Trubisky. I, I think Fields just has a lot more attributes to him. I think he knows the game better. I, I can't really add anything else here, fellas. You pretty much covered everything and got all bases here. So I, I think at the end of the day, I think Fields is exactly the quarterback that Nagy's looking for. So so the thing I'll, I'll, I'll add is to, to this. Mitch Trubisky had all of the components to be a runner. Mitch Trubisky did not know when he was supposed to run, right? And Mitch Trubisky could not read defenses and had a hard time reading RPO. That's not going to happen here. Like, your man is, is, is proficient in the RPO. My only knock with him in college was he didn't run enough. The guy is 230 pounds running a 4-4. Somebody's getting trucked. You feel me? So he didn't run run enough. I hopefully Nagy encourages him to use his playmaking ability more. So, like back to what I said, perfect fit. 
I also think when you have a what happens is this is when you have a good franchise quarterback or just a quarterback of fields caliber, what it does is this is it opens up your entire playbook. And when I say opens up your entire playbook and your offense, I don't just mean in terms of the plays that you're going to run. I also mean in terms of the personnel groupings that you use. If you looked at the Bears last year, the quarterbacks were so limited in terms of the play calls, the schemes that they could run. They had to run a lot of 12 personnel with the two tight end sets because ultimately that's just the limitations of their quarterbacks. Now, when you look at what Justin Fields is able to do, and I've tweeted this and Raul's agreed with me on this, you have a quarterback who can hit any throw on the field, who can read RPOs. That means your offensive production is going to take a jump. Your entire offense should take a big step forward. But then the other half of it is that you can now run personnel groupings that you unfortunately couldn't run in the past. What Raul said this back in December when he was on the podcast, he's like, look, we should be running 11 personnel. But the issue with running the 11 personnel was that you didn't have a quarterback who could consistently hit Darnell Mooney or Allen Robinson or Anthony Miller. Now you have a quarterback that can do that in fields. So you can have the, like Raul mentioned a moment ago, the high to low offense, because you can go Mooney as your first read, Miller as your inner, Miller or Robinson as, and then Miller and Robinson as basically you're like short to intermediate. Guys, that's what you can do. And then also check it down to David Montgomery. And obviously, Cole Komet is going to be there. Raul's enjoying his pre-workout meal. But, like, your personnel groupings are going to expand to the point where it's just time to phase Jimmy Graham out of the offense. Because I ultimately think when you look at it, like, Cole Komet, and I wrote this in an article on Bear Report, he played about 85% of snaps the last seven weeks of the year. And Komet is not the best receiving tight end on the planet. He's always going to be a guy that is going to be, like, or for right now, he is a player that is a short to intermediate kind of player in terms of being a route runner. He can do damage down the seam, but ultimately, like your personnel groupings are going to be so much better now to the point where you don't have to run those crazy two tight end sets that Nagy's tried to just run in the past. Yeah, I, I think the only really thing I'd add here is, and you know, you talk about phasing Jimmy Graham out and letting Kamat take the next step in. Listen, I'll be honest. When we drafted Cole Komet last year, I wasn't that excited. I, I was expecting something else. I thought we had other positional needs that we needed to address. I wasn't in love with the pick. And I think the first couple of weeks, I think I was kind of waiting to see what Komet could do. Again, he was a local kid. And, you know, I, I like him as a player. I liked him as a person. But I didn't really think he was a great fit in that second round, especially when that second round pick was basically your first round pick. Um, what I can say is, is with the tight end market these past two years, having a guy like Komet on the roster has been great. And I think there is a lot of potential for Komet. I think the biggest thing is just going to be quarterback consistency. That's the number one thing. I literally have down in my notes here for Ken Komet, like when breakout year for Komet, I have God, I hope so. Because again, I think he has a lot of the intangibles to do it, but I think it's going to come down to how much can he improve from what he did last year? And is he going to be the tight end one coming into 2021? Or is Jimmy Graham still going to be around? Because, again, the fact that Jimmy Graham is still on this roster just shocks me. It shocks me. We're paying the guy millions of dollars to just sit and get old. I, I don't get it. I don't. I, I just want to I'll, – I'll, I'll let Raul go after this. I think Jimmy Graham is going to be um, a cut when they're trying to go, come down to 55 or 53, wherever the number is. Um, because the Bears are probably going to look at him and just be like, yo, we could save $9 million off of this contract right now, and we could be literally above the water about like 11 or $12 million up after signing the rookie class. Rookie class. So, I mean, like, you know – all this stuff about him being a reliable red zone target, I get that. But yo, you have so many. You have so many. You have. Sorry, I'm gonna say this one more time. You have so much help, right? You have Cole Komet that could take the next step, and like you know, Sam, you hit it perfectly on the uh, on the head there. You're talking about. Cole Komet not having that quarterback presence in college. He had Ian Book. I mean, Ian Book is just a glorified Mitch Trubisky to me. I mean, I'm a Notre Dame fan. So, I mean, I know that, like, you know, in our past 20 years, we haven't had a quarterback since Brady Quinn. So, they're the college football team of the Chicago Bears, basically. So, um, you know, with all that saying, like, Cole Komet's best season at Notre Dame was, like, you know, over 600 yards. And if you add up all the seasons that he's had, you know, this this person that I know at Notre Dame, and I went to Notre Dame, he showed me, like, a nice chart. And, like, her season, 
Like, you know, he, he had 1500 yards at, at Notre Dame, but he was able to, you know, average that out to like the best season stats to be like over 600 yards, seven touchdowns by statistics and stuff. So, I mean, like, and if you, and if he can do that with Ian book, imagine what you can do with Justin Fields, man, we're talking about a person that can turn into a Tyler Eifert when you know that he could be a, a, um, a attractive, um, Pass catch, pass catcher coming from fields. That's just me because you know you you've seen what um what the Bengals were able to do with Tyler Eifert during the years of Andy Dalton and they drafted him and you know granted Tyler Eifert got hurt but what if Tyler Eifert never got hurt man he would be one of the top tight ends right now in the league like still so I mean to me. You're right, Sam. I don't know why we're paying Jimmy Graham at the age of 34 or however old he is. And that cap hit to me is that they're going to try to, like, you know, look at all their options. And when they need the most money, they're going to cut Jimmy Graham and be like, all right, here's your walking papers. There we go. We need this money to, to you know, cover up a, a other uh, other spot on a team or something like that. Because I, I just don't see it. I just don't see that big of a contract being on this team. I just don't. So first, I'm I'm the the the, the king of hating Cole Cole Komet, and I still hate the the, the kid. It is what it is. I don't think he's ever going to be a U tight end. I think I think he's a Y tight end, and I don't believe you draft Y tight ends that early in the draft. That's fine though, because, huh? You gotta wait till like round three or four. I mean, exactly. I, I I think Cole Komet could have been had later. That's just yep. me, but yep. But you, you, you have to. I mean, he does add value to the run game because of his ability to block. I think what is a smart move, or what would be a smart move, is to wait for Zach Ertz. Once Zach Ertz is, is cut, you can sign Zach Ertz and get rid of Jimmy Jimmy Graham. So now Zach Ertz gives you a lot of pass catching potential and another weapon to take you know pressure off of Justin Fields. I think that's a match made in heaven. He understands Nagy's offense already. Right. But Jimmy Graham should not. He, he's a liability. Like if the only thing you can do is run fades, you know, in, in the in the red, red zone, you're not you are not a player that needs to be making nine million a year. You are a liability. Right. If if I put Jimmy Graham in the game anywhere between, you know, our one to their uh, ten. He's a liability because he's not that athletic anymore. He's not physical enough. And you know exactly the only thing he can do is attempt to run routes really, really poorly. That's it. So we're, we're playing 10 on 11 at that point. So I think Jimmy Graham should be cut. I think I hope they're waiting for something better like Zach Ertz to, to you know, to finally get, get cut and then sign him. They got to be. That's my plan. They got to be, dude. Like, you got to be able to, like, you know, I mean, I agree with that entire statement. I don't think Cole Komet is a wide tight end. I think he's a U. You know, I think he could be uh, profitable. It's sometimes in the pass game and sometimes in the run, oh, all the time in the run game. But, like, you know, let's just pump the brakes on the pass game a little bit because, you know, you know, I think he could be better than what he put up at Notre Dame. But let's not, let's not get too crazy. Like, he could put up, like, Travis Kelsey or – or George Kittle numbers. That's never going to happen for Cole Komet. Like, if it does, I'll eat my own hat right here. But it's just not – I don't see Cole Komet to be that dominant tight end like Mike Gusecki is or, like, the guys that I just named. It's just – to me, it's just not going to happen. You just, like – Raul, I agree with that. Like, if, if Zach Ertz is available and you can get him for, like, 2 or $3 million, just cut Jimmy, Jimmy Graham and go get him. I mean, like, he, he brings that receiving element to your offense, and I, I – I would assume the Bears have to be looking at that situation. But go ahead, you said. Well, I think you guys are talking about getting Zach Ertz, and Raul just got out of here for whatever reason. So follow him on Twitter at Black underscore 42. Always fun having him on the show. But when you look at Komet, the thing is, can he develop? When you look at the last seven weeks last season, can he develop into that player that is a guy that is running those like short to intermediate routes can he be a good receiver in that area yeah because aj i know you watched a lot of notre dame in 2019 and that's where a lot of his production really came from and that's where he made the most money but then you look at this free agent market for tight ends right now you're really limited because okay greg olson retired you have jesse james tyler eifert you're not going to sign jason witten i mean josh hill virgil green are not good demetrius harris is not coming back so really my 
thing is this with Jimmy Graham being on the roster and you have Cole Komet. Komet is your future at the position. But the reality of the situation is that unless Zach Ertz gets cut, whatever Philly decides to do, I really just think like Jimmy Graham could be on the roster in 2021 and fan throughout the regular season, and fans are just going to have to brace for it. Now, the issue with Jimmy Graham is that the only reason he's here is because the Bears, well, Ryan Pace drafted him back in 2010 when he was with the Saints. That's pretty much about it. I mean, Pace has publicly said in the past, hey, my familiarity with Jimmy is a reason that he's currently here today. Ultimately, when you look at it, man, like, you have to hope Ertz gets cut, but otherwise you're going to be going into 2021 with Ertz, I'm sorry, with Graham and Komet leading the way at the tight end position. Now, I still think that we see Komet take some sort of jump in year two, which is going to be totally fine because if you draft a second-round pick, you need that guy to become a starter by year two. Uh, Sam, you're muted. There we go. Yeah, no, I mean, I I agree with that point. Uh, Again, I think we're all kind of in agreement for the most part. We were in love with the Komet pick. I understand the thought process of keeping Graham because I get it. This tight end market is just bad. I mentioned it earlier, but again, the Ertz situation is one to look at. And even if Ertz doesn't get caught, I think it's a a move the Bears should still consider with the tight ends they have on their roster. Um, You know, letting Komet fully take over as the tight end one. But again, you never know. Um, And again, Graham does have familiarity here. and, And, you know, we all know Pace loves keeping the guys that he loves around even if they're getting overpaid. And, you know, I don't really have much else to add to that. I don't know if you want to contribute anything else to that, AJ. Uh, no, I mean, Raul, if you have anything else about the tight end position, I mean, be my guest, man. I mean, other than, other than you know, obviously, Jimmy Graham is obviously one of the most things that I want. It, it is what it is. Our, our tight ends are trash. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I think ultimately moving on from the tight ends here, you look at it. I mean, the defense is interesting because if you hear Sean Desai speak, he is really, really smart. I mean, you just get that impression right off the bat in terms of the vocab he uses, knowing the strengths and weaknesses of his team, knowing that competition and versatility is going to be a big theme for the Bears offseason. And then the Bears defense, because when you look at versatility, what it does is this, is that it allows you to basically expand your defense and your roster in such a way where if a player is down, then you have another guy who can kind of step up. So versatility and depth kind of go hand in hand because now you can open up your defensive playbook to do pretty much whatever. I think when you look at Sean Desai, there's two things to take away. Number one, there's going to be some defensive player that's going to have a bounce back season. And then there's a serious competition at cornerback that is brewing because when you look at some of these defensive players, I mean, the last couple of years, Robert Quinn, absolute disappointment in 2020. You do not even have to be a bears fan to admit that you look at Eddie Goldman. He's coming back, which Goldman coming back in 2021 is theoretically could be considered a bounce back season. Eddie Jackson's production has been down or, and he's been robbed of interceptions. With number four now, Eddie Jackson, who changed his jersey, he could get that Alabama swagger back and have a big year. Ultimately, though, AJ, I'll go to you on this one. Which defensive player is having a bounce-back season, man? I, you just named it. To me, it's got to be Bo Jackson. I mean, like, that's our guy for the next decade. I mean, like, if this guy cannot get you turnovers, then, you know, like last year in the in the year before – well, no, sorry. No, yeah, that's right. 2019 and 2020 were two down years for Eddie. Um, You know, obviously 2017 and 2018 is where the bulk of the turnovers came from. And, you know, that's how he got paid as well, too. So, I mean, like, you know, if you want to maintain that status, like have the – I realize the front front seven um, creates these turnovers. And, like you said, you mentioned, like, he's been robbed of these – um, I just want him. I, like, I just want like a like a forty yard interception return for a touchdown. You know, something I get off my something to get off my chair with. You know, I mean, like something something to like a fumble return, anything. You know, I mean, like I just want to see that like that thump and safety play that Eddie Jackson provided. And like, if 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 switching to number four is going to give him that motivation or something like that, then so be it. I mean, but like, yeah. Um, that is my bounce back player for this defense. I mean, my, my, my second honorable mention would have to be uh, 
obviously Robert Quinn, you know, he has that drop foot syndrome in his foot. I'm not sure if he had that in Dallas or if he, if he just had that to begin the season and he was out for the first four or five weeks. I mean, you know, I, I pieced it together when the news came out um, during week 15 and week 14, but um you know, I think the Bears in that case they just can't do anything. They just gave out too much, um, too much of guaranteed money, and like a Kevin White situation just happened right there for a veteran player. So they just have to wait it out and see what happens. Because I think, you know, if if Robert Quinn can't produce, I think he's a June first, um, June first cut for next year. Because you got to get out of the contract somehow. Yeah, I I have no expectations for Robert Quinn. I, I'm gonna be honest. I, I think it was pretty disappointing <laughs> to watch him play last year. I, I I hope I hope you're right, AJ. I hope your honorable mentions right for that sake. My bounce back player is Eddie Goldman. Opted out last year, and the run defense has just not been the same. We haven't seen the same push from guys like Khalil Mack and Keem Hicks. Goldman's a valuable piece. I mean, he just he he stops that offensive line. He plugs gaps and and he creates opportunities for other guys. And he just works hard and. You got a guy like that who doesn't come back, and your defensive line struggles as a result. I mean, if you look at the Bears' run defense between the year the year 2019, 2020, it took a significant hit. Like the Bears struggled with the run this past season for the majority of the year, and Goldman was a big reason for that. So I'm expecting big things for him to come back. I'm expecting a healthy Eddie Goldman and a guy who can just help our rush, our both our our run defense and the pass rush. So that's my guy for bounce back. I don't think it's really a bounce back, but I think um, I think it's Mac. I think he goes back to the Vic Fangio style defense and puts him in the best position to make plays. Um, he's kind of he's kind of had a down two years because of injury and the scheme that we were running. But I think it's Mac. I think I think you can see the double digit sacks this year. Um, I also like our front seven as a whole. I, I think that you know people like Bilal Nichols are going to take the next step. You know, um, what, what's my man's name? Uh, the one that we just signed, Eddie Goldman's former teammate at Florida State. Um, Angelo Blackson. No, not Blackson. Um, the one that we had last year from the Saints. Uh, we just re-signed him. Mario Edwards? Mario Edwards. I think Mario, Mario Edwards, Edwards takes okay. the next step. Uh, towards the end of the year, he was he was out here. He was really out there playing, playing some some good ball. And my honorable mention would be uh, Tavares Gibson, another player. Towards the end of the year, got more snaps and started actually showing what I thought he I thought thought he could could be. And remember, this was like his first official year playing outside linebacker because because of Tulsa they had him playing five tech. So expect him to put some you know work work in as well. Yeah, AJ, for you, I mean, you mentioned Eddie Jackson. Give me Eddie Jackson. I think the NFL team, Eddie Jackson, first experience, he's one of the most underrated defensive backs in the game. He does not get enough credit outside the Bears fan base for what he is able to consistently bring. But I think ultimately when you look at the Bears defensive line and you guys brought up the defensive line, it's interesting because the defensive line actually took a bit of a hit this offseason. I have an article coming out on EmpireSportsMedia.com sometime this week talking about challenges a defensive line is going to face. Look, you have Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, as well as Bilal Nichols. Those are going to be your starting guys. But then after that, you look at it. Mario Edwards Jr., you know what he's capable of doing. But then you have... A couple undrafted free agents, and you have Angelo Blackson. And out of that, only Blackson, Blackson, Mario Edward Jr. are your rotational guys that have some NFL experience because Blackson was with the Cardinals the last couple seasons. My big question, though, is going to be is who's going to step up if a guy like Akeem Hicks goes down? Because as much as fans love Akeem Hicks, let's be real. Akeem Hicks has taken a step back these last two seasons, and it's been really noticeable. He has not been the same since that dislocated elbow that he sustained in the Raiders London game two years ago at this point. I think when you ultimately look at it, your defensive line took a big hit, but Eddie Goldman coming back, because Sam, you talked about it, it's going to uplift the entire defense because when you have a big guy like that that's taking on those double teams, what are you doing? Well, you're opening up things for Roquan Smith. Now, Roquan Smith's going to be able to flow even more freely to the edge 
Same thing with Danny Trevathan. You're going to be able to drop Trevathan back in coverage. I also think that Robert Quinn was a disappointment last year. He's basically a run stuffer at this point for the Bears. But, hey, you know who's going to be interesting for me? Honorable mention. As a guy who's not going to have a bounce back season but could legitimately make some noise, the undrafted free agent Charles Snowden Jr. from Virginia. He's a player that you look at it. Leonard Ford 2.0, man. I mean, you look at a lot of these national scouts for NFL.com, for the Draft Network. They were all surprised that Snowden was an undrafted free agent because lots of people had late day two, early day three grades on him. And I think that when you just look at these, this defense overall, I think Khalil Mack's going to have a big year because he's going to be fully healthy. Eddie Jackson's going to have that bounce back season. And then ultimately the defensive line, you don't have Roy Robertson Harris anymore. You don't have Brent Urban really with Robertson Harris. The, that was one of the biggest losses for the bears because you no longer have that, really dependable third or fourth guy that you know is going to open things up. Obviously, you have Edwards Jr. and Blackson, but none of those guys are the caliber that RRH was. So ultimately, man, I mean, for me, bounce back. Um, I went on my tangent. I forgot who I even named. Well, I named Eddie Jackson, but like that defensive line is going to be interesting this year. Um, getting away from the defensive line, I mean, we mentioned – the defensive backfield as well. We talked Eddie Jackson. Let's talk cornerback because, Sam, you talked about this earlier in the show. It's pretty much a toss-up at cornerback outside of Jalen Johnson. Yeah, I mean, listen, I understand Desmond Trufant is the veteran that was signed when Kyle Fuller got cut. And listen, initially the Kyle Fuller cut was devastating. It was it was tough to to go on Twitter and see that. I was literally sitting in a college class when it happened and my professor looked at me like I had just like gotten devastating news about like my family. I was so visibly upset about it. Um, but I, I just think the thing is it's like Trufant's got, got a history of injuries and the same thing with Artie Burns who will be back this year after tearing his ACL injuries. So like your only guaranteed guy is Jalen Johnson. So this, I would not be surprised if it's the weakest spot on the defense. Actually, it's probably going to be the weakest spot on the defense. And obviously, I believe in Jalen Johnson. I think the shoulder injury aside, I, I think that he is – I think he's going to be the quarterback one this year. I think he's going to take a big step. But uh, I think there's going to be a lot of guys who are going to rotate in that cornerback two spot. Trufant's obviously probably going to get the nod there at cornerback two, and I'm probably butchering his last name, but I don't really care. He hasn't proven anything to me yet until he has. I'm going to keep butchering his last name, but – Regardless, I think that this is going to be the weakest spot on the Bears. I think they got some guys at nickel that we mentioned earlier who can compete at that spot. We mentioned Graham. We talked about um, we talked about Kendall Wilder a little bit on this podcast. We talked about Duke Shelley. So there's going to be guys there who compete there. But quarterback two is a concern for me, and I'm I'm worried about it until I feel like someone in training camp steps up. I think I think honestly, um, it's it should be Vildor's uh, job to to lose. I think last year, towards the end of the year when we actually played him, he showed some really, really good tape. Um, I'm worried about Jalen Johnson. I think all of Chicago is like super like comfortable with Jalen Johnson, but there's a lot of there's a lot to be desired. Cornerbacks hit a hit a wall normally towards the end end of their first first season, and Jalen Johnson hit a wall, you know. And on top of that, his technique still needs to be cleaned up a lot. And I don't want to see a second year corner be my number one corner. That's a dangerous proposition because second-year corners, people get tape on them and know their tendencies. So, like, that part scares the heebie-jeebies out of me. But, yeah, I, I – you know, like, honestly, does this team not look a lot different if we have Cal Fuller? Like, like the prospects of this team and this defense looks a lot different if we keep Cal Fuller, right? And and I was devastated. I, I it was it was it's just it was just a, just a bad move all around. But you got Jimmy Graham on the roster. Whatever, man. AJ, you're muted. At this point, you're you're probably kicking yourself in the shin. You know, cutting Kyle Fuller because you know when you cut the guy. You had no idea you were gonna get it. You were gonna get these two studs in Tevin Jenkins and Justin Fields. Now that you do, now you're like, God, why did we? Why did we cut Kyle Fuller? Well, actually, no one told you to cut Kyle Fuller. You just did it because you know you thought that you were saving money because like you thought that like when he was going to hit the free agency market, 
he was going to demand 20 or whatever, where, how much million that he was going to get. And to me, he, it, it kind of stung me like a wasp sting us. Um, like a wasp was sting me. Like he literally went back to our former defensive coiners, who was a head coach of the Denver Broncos and signed for the same AAV that we had him for. So, and like for even more, grade B salt to be poured on, poured on the entire situation. You have Jimmy Graham on the roster. Now, Raul is right. Like if, if, if Jimmy Graham's not on this team and you have Kyle Fuller, and then if you're designating, um, designating Charles Leno as your June 1st cut, we'd be sitting really pretty right now, man. Like that, it's scary. Like, you know, this, this these are one of the things that I wanted to stress on this podcast before we only have 10 minutes left. It, I, I am scared as JJ as our number one corner, man, they're going to abuse him. You're going to see it. Like, 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 don't tell me that JJ's a lockdown corner. He's not, he's not a guy like Jair Alexander. He's not a guy like Stefan Gilmore guys that can lock down. I mean, like call me crazy. Kyle, Kyle Fuller locked down many times for us. Can Jalen Johnson do that? No. And there's so many tendencies that, like, these receivers at the one level, wide receiver ones, are just going to abuse. Because literally deep down, Jalen Johnson is a, is a cornerback too, but he's going to be playing number, number one because you got rid of your number one corner. So, I mean, that's the only weak spot that I see in this entire corner position. Because, you know, none of the other guys after Johnson, Burns, Shelley, Vildor, um... Trufan, I mean, he. I guess like he's penciled in at cornerback number one, and JJ's number two. But still, does does Desmond Trufan jump off of a page like Kyle Fuller and Jalen Johnson used to? No, it doesn't to me. Like we got weaker at the cornerback spot, and that worries me a little bit. It truly does. It does, but like we mentioned throughout the earlier parts of the offseason is that if you were going to invest in the offense this offseason because of such limited resources, it needed to be at the expense of the defense. I'll say this regarding cornerback. There's definitely a competition brewing because if you look at Jay, not Jalen Johnson, I'm sorry. If you look at Desmond Trufant's contract, he's not really guaranteed any money. I mean, he's making like what $1 million, which is basically code for, hey, listen, we hope that there's a role for you here, but we're going to make you work to really earn that role. I think when you look at the Bears secondary specifically, there's a lot of young talent, but there's also a lot of potential because you have Duke Shelley who played nickel at Kansas State. He is a player that I think is aggressive. He can fit into what Desai is trying to do at the nickel position. Vildor too, I believe, at Northern or Southern Georgia, wherever he went. He did play... Um, on the inside as well as the outside. Did the same thing last year for the Bears. Vildor, I think, like Raul mentioned, it's his job to lose. Trufant's just, again, here for your veteran presence. I mean, Artie Burns is a former first-round pick. You, He was supposed to be a reclamation project last season, but he tore his ACL. And then Trey Roberson, I don't know why he's on the roster. And then you have a whole bunch of guys like Michael Joseph and Tease Tabor not really going to do much for you. I think, ultimately, when you look at the cornerback position, um, there is serious competition brewing because Desai wants guys that are versatile. Desai wants players that can, or cornerbacks specifically, that can play on both the inside and outside. And ultimately, when you look at it, man, like I think Jalen Johnson, be, as smart as Desai is, because his background is mainly the secondary as well as Deshae Townsend, because Townsend, the second, the I believe he's the safeties or the secondary coach. He played the safety position as well as cornerback, I believe, for the Steelers at a very high level for pretty much a long time in the early 2000s, so two decades ago at this point. I think Townsend's really going to help Jalen Johnson take the next step. It's just what concerns me about Johnson is this. Is, is his shoulder going to hold up? Because that's been an issue for him. And also, do the Bears decide to do this? I mean, Bashad Breland's out there. Richard Sherman's out there, too. I would actually take Sherman on this team right now because he is going to bring a lot of the attitude and the swagger that the defense has been missing over the last two seasons because Chuck Pagano didn't bring it, man. I mean, Vic Fangio brought it, and you just got to let these defenders be themselves. Yeah, but like, b b before I let you add on to that, it's just like, can, can Desmond Trufant stay healthy? Because if he's done for the season, you're literally counting on Jalen Johnson to be your number one. 
scares me, but that's uh, you brought up another good point there at the end of your point there. Like Richard Sherman or Rashad Breland, bring in one of those guys. I mean, like, like the Bears cannot be content with their cornerback room. Like you, you signed an injury-prone cornerback and you have – Jalen Johnson, who's slowly becoming an injury-prone quarterback. And, like, I agree with all those points with the with the Pittsburgh Steelers and all of that stuff, and I think Sean's going to bring a different energy in this defense. I just hope that the Bears are not content with this cornerback room. But speaking of that competition, man, who's, who's going to get that slot role? I mean, I think I think we kind of talked about it a little bit. I, I think Shelley's going to be in the in the conversation. I think Graham's going to be in the conversation. I'm sure they're going to kind of look at Vildor to either play both. But I, I mean, I assume they give Shelley the spot unless until Graham earns it. But I could just be kind of throwing smoke out there. Um, what do you guys think? Honestly, I say Thomas Graham's going to be a surprise starter. Raul, go ahead. I think Graham is going to start for us at nickel. I like him that much. He's too physical for me. Yeah. To say no to him. I, yeah, I think I think Thomas Graham is gonna be our nickel. Like when when you see Duke Shelley and Kendall Vilder play slot, I think Thomas Graham can do it better. Like just watching Oregon, like I watched I I, I bet a lot of like Oregon ball too. I mean Tyler Shaw being the quarter, uh, quarterback and stuff. And like obviously he's created like he's he gave uh, he gave uh, a lot of problems to Amon or St. Brown too when they played. Um, granted, like the Pac-12, they started like really late due to COVID, but like he's given like the the wide receivers that have been drafted this year in the drafts a lot of problems in the Pac-12. So I mean, like for me, I mean, like I mean, probably they're probably going to pen- pencil in veteranship over. Thomas Graham, I think that's the most stupidest idea you can come up with. I mean, whoever is ready at training camp should just start. I just hope Thomas Graham just, like, comes out at the nickel spot and just balls out in training camp and just earns the spot. Because, like, you know, Kendall Vildor and Duke Shelley haven't showed me anything that, like, they should be penciled in to that slot, slot spot. So it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I will always be grateful to Duke Shelley because he was my first official interview at Bears camp and Paul Nichols was my second. And any journalist will tell you that your first interview is one that you will always remember. But Shelley's interesting to me because I think that when you look at the Bears, I mean, they drafted Shelley in 2019. Everyone thought that he was going to eventually develop into that successor for Buster Screen. And ultimately, I think that when you look at Shelly right now, if the Bears were seriously confident, well, first things first, the Bears moved on from Screen anyway. But if the Bears were really confident that Shelly was going to be the next guy in the slot, I think we would have seen it at some point towards the end of last season. But we really didn't see it. We saw Screen still continuing to start. Ultimately, what it kind of signals to me is that Shelly is on the roster bubble. And I would not be surprised if Shelly ends up being cut this offseason when the Bears are trimming the roster down to 55 players. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, I think when we looked at the cornerback room last year and it was, we all thought it was going to be Fuller and Kevin Tolivier and then Tolivier got cut a day before whatever it was, the cuts were due and Johnson was given the nod. I think a similar thing could happen with Shelly. I think people might think Shelly might get it and then boom, Graham gets the starting job, similar situation. Shelly gets a surprise cut. Who knows? I, I think the one thing that's nice is when you draft a guy like Thomas Graham, you bring in another guy to compete. I think competition at this spot is going to be important. I, I think we've hit that on the head pretty hard here, but that's really the only other thing I really wanted to add to that is just having a lot of guys who can compete and hopefully finding guys who can just play good enough that this defense can still be successful. I don't think anyone's going to play at that Kyle Floyd level. I definitely know no one's going to play at that Kyle Floyd level, but you just got to find someone who can play competent. Let me tell you something. The Bears are going against some offenses this year with some loaded wide receiver rooms. You talk about the Rams, you talk about the Bucks. I mean, the the Bears corners are going to be in for some pretty tough competition this this season, I'll tell you what. Yeah, that's what worries me a lot. But go ahead, bro. What do you think? So what I'll say is this. Uh, Desai is a cornerback, as a – is a DB genius, right? And with that said, he's going to play a lot of too high looks, which is going to help, you know, uh, protect our corners. If we can get the, if we can get a pass rush going, consistent pass rush, I think we're going to be okay, right? But if we can't get consistent pass rush, then we start to worry. 
Yeah, the strength of this defense, ultimately, a lot of people continue to forget is that under Ryan Pace, it's always lied within the front seven because good front sevens make up for bad secondaries. And Desai's mentioned this so much is that your pressure is basically going to generate sacks, but then it's also going to have a consistent effect and it's going to affect your pass coverage and your coverages in a good way is pretty much what the theme of the defense is going to be in 2021. I think ultimately you look at Desai. I mean, he's heading into a year where let's be honest, I don't think Desai's on a one-year deal. Okay. I think that when you look at Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy basically Desai openly admitted this because Nagy told him behind the scenes when Fangio was leaving for Denver. If you stay here, you'll eventually be a defensive coordinator. And now he's a defensive coordinator. Sean's obviously very smart. You can just tell from what he says in press conferences and the way he carries himself. He's got the respect of the entire room. When you ultimately look at it, like Desai is going to have to make the most of some limited talent in the secondary this year because your best defensive back is Eddie Jackson. Deshaun Gibson, okay, pretty good. But then, ultimately, your cornerbacks are a complete toss-up. Now, your front seven is where the money in your defense is, and your front seven's got to be consistent to the point where your secondaries, the issues in your secondary are going to be totally masked. Yeah, well said. I, I mean, I don't have anything else to add. Again, this is going to be a spot this year that I think is going to be a question mark for the Bears, and I think it's going to be something that the Bears might struggle with. I, I And again... If the offense takes a step up because the defense takes a step down, I'm not going to be that upset. Exactly, Sam. Like the offense has got to take like two steps forward if the defense wants to, you know, be in the position that they are right now. Like we don't know what the position is, but like you know, we are a bit weak in that secondary, which is, like I said for the third time now, concerning because you know we added Desmond Trufant from the Lions, and if you guys remember, he only played six games in Detroit. And Detroit paid him two years for $20 million. They paid him $10 million last year, as Detroit is. I mean, I don't know why they would do that. But, you know, he comes here on a $1.075 million deal to try to prove himself. But, like, you know, like, I hope he just stays healthy. If Desmond Trufant and Jalen Johnson can stay healthy, it'll be average. But it won't be above average like it was with Kyle Fuller and Jalen Johnson. So, that's uh, – I'll leave it at that. Unless Raul, if you have anything else to add to that, no, I mean I understand that. I just I I think I if I'm rooting for somebody, it's gonna be Vildor. Yeah. Yeah, Vildor. Honestly, I think right now is gonna be the next de- defensive player that the Bears have picked on day three that is going to go ahead and become a future starter. Anyways, that's going to do it from us this week. We hope you enjoyed this episode and this live stream. Look, before we get out of here, we're going to plug our social media handles. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Usaid Kosh. You can follow Sam on any social media platform at SJSteve9. Follow AJ on Twitter and every other social media platform at AJDecide4. Raul's on Twitter at Black underscore 42. Please don't ask him to change his profile picture because he's never going to do that. I mean, he's the I'm man is at two... He's had two profile pictures since I've known him for like the last three years now, I think. And then follow the podcast on Twitter, guys. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at Fireside Bears. Sam has got something cool going on called Sam Spicy Takes. That's a weekly segment. Our TikTok guy, Max Smith, you can follow him on Twitter at Max Smith. That's Max with two X's at Max Smith ESM on Twitter. Check out Empire Sports Media as well. I have daily articles dropping on the website pertaining to the Bears. That's going to do it from us, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a prominent Bears YouTuber on next week that you'll want to tune in for. But for now, we're going to get out of here. So good morning, good evening, and good night.